I want to take some time for prayer. I want to take some time for, for just thanking the Lord. Because uh, sometimes when we talk about praises, uh, some, and I don't, know, I don't mean to say that, that it's done intentionally, but a lot of times it's self-focused about I, they, uh, God allowed me to do this, and, 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 and there's not, I'm not saying that's wrong. Uh, it necessarily, God, all that we do is of God. I mean, it, uh, all that, that we're able to do, accomplish has to do with God giving us the grace, and, and there's nothing wrong with giving God praise for, for that. Um, but I, I want us to focus today on what God has done and how God is working and just honoring God in everything. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to read verses 8 through 16. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 through 16. And, and we're going to look at Paul as he was dealing with the, the, the Jews. Um, the book of Hebrews was written to the Jewish people. Um, it's, they, they were people who, Judaism had an understanding of God, but they didn't have a full understanding of, of God until... He was revealed to us, or revealed in the New Testament, as through Christ, right? Uh, Jesus Christ is the, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, they knew that a Messiah was coming, but they, they, but they didn't realize that all that Christ was. In fact, they rejected Christ outright. They, uh, he, he wasn't somebody that they accepted. Uh, so, uh, but a lot of the things in the Old Testament, the laws they followed, sacrificially, all those things, all point to Jesus Christ. They all point to what was coming in the New Testament, the, the new covenant that was to take place. Uh, but a lot of them struggled with the change that took place when Christ died on the cross. Uh, uh, many Jews, like I said, rejected it outright. And there were those that believed, and praise God for those that believed and fought, turned and followed Christ. But then there were others that, that they wanted to bring in the old with the new. They wanted to tie the old covenant and the old laws and all the things that, used to, that they used to have to follow, and they wanted to tie that uh, into uh, what, what God was promising and God had covenanted with, with us, uh, with Christ. Uh, you can look at the book of Galatians, and, and Paul's dealing with much of this, where they want to add the, 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 the necessity of following the law in Christ. And he says, uh, and he says to them in in, the, in Galatia that uh, who hath uh, hindered you? They they had done so well in the beginning in trusting in Christ by faith, but there were those that had risen up that were were now teaching. Well, yes, yes, believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised, and you also have to follow this law and that law and this law and that law. And through the book of Galatians, he deals with the with the fact that the law was a, a schoolmaster. The law was to teach them that, uh, that they couldn't keep the law and, and that a new covenant was coming. And, and that new covenant is, is faith in Christ and that alone. But Paul here is dealing with them. So let's, let's look at verse 8 and we'll read down through verse 16 and, then, and, and we'll look at what God said through Paul here uh, to them and to us. Verse number 8 says, Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. The bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought unto the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. 
Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the say. I thank you, Lord, for all, all that you've done for us and the, the covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, what he did for us on the cross. Lord, the, the salvation that's freely given to us because of that. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that we're no longer under the old law and, and, and under the, the, the need for the, the, the yearly sacrifices. But Christ was our sacrifice. And God, we praise you for it. And I pray that you would be with us now as we, as we uh, look at what was necessary then and, and Lord, what's necessary now. As, as we look at how we can give thanks and what we're to thank you for. God, I, I praise you. Lord, I, I pray that you guide us. Help me to preach your word, and uh, Lord, help me to preach it with clarity. Lord, help me to, uh, to bring, bring it forth, and Lord, I pray that we'd have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, and, and hearts that are tender to the moving of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Going back to uh, verse number 9, he says, Be not carried about, remember, he's talking to these Jews, uh, the, the, the Hebrews, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Uh, again, there were many doctrines that were being introduced to, to even to those who trusted in Christ by faith, the Jews that believed. Uh, there were was, there was some false doctrines being taught, and he said, don't be carried about. Don't, be, don't get caught up in all these other doctrines. Uh, it's the same thing he told the Galatians. Be, uh, what hath, or who hath hindered you? Uh, this, these new doctrines are being added to faith. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that salvation is by faith alone. There's nothing I've got to do. Uh, there's nothing I can add to it. There's nothing that, that I can do to what Christ already did that's going to elevate what he did. Anything I would do to, to try to add to that would only bring down and taint what Christ did. I can't add to it. Christ did it all. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, but and it's, it's important for us to understand that because getting carried about with different, that's what the word diverse means, different and strange doctrines, uh, it's not a good thing for us. Uh, it's important for us to cling to the doctrines that the Word of God would teach us. But he's dealing with this, this thing because uh, they're dealing with all the things that happened in the Old Testament and all their, their cultural history that they were trying to bring into uh, the, the, this, this new age, really, uh, this age of grace that they, uh, that they were now living in. Now, remember what happened in the Old, the Old Testament, the, the previous system. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's mentioned what, what, would, uh, what would have to take place. It says, uh, it says in verse number 11, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is bought or brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. He's talking about the, the sacrificial law. Man, that was a bloody time. Any time somebody sinned, uh, they would have to go forth and, and bring in a, a sacrifice for that sin. The priest would have to kill it. They'd, ha they'd have to slaughter it. They'd have to, uh, to cut it up in the way that was, uh, there was a specific law on exactly how it was to be cut up and, and, and how it was to be offered and, and placed upon there for the sacrifice for the sins of the people. We know that there was the, the yearly atonement, the day of atonement that happened once a year where the high priest would go in and sacrifice for the people. And it was, uh, there were certain things that, have, that had to be followed every single time. When they, when they would kill those beasts, uh, they would take the beasts, they'd be sacrificed, and then the bodies of those beasts would be taken out and, and burned outside of the camp. 
It was a dead subject, a dead animal that was brought in and sacrificed to the Lord. It had to be a clean animal, an animal without blemish, without spot. There was a lot to exactly what was to be chosen and how it was to be done. God had the law all set up. In fact, if you read through the book of Leviticus, Brother Earl's favorite, favorite book in the Bible, don't know why that one's his favorite, but it's his favorite, it, it goes through all of it. And for sake of time, we won't go through all of it. But there were, there were uh, specific reasons and, and ways, but all of it pointed to what was going to happen one day in the future. For us, it's in the past, but it's pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. There was the dead animal, the dead subject. Uh, they would take the body of the, that beast. Uh, that body would, of the beast would be taken outside of the camp because, uh, and, and, and would be burnt. It was uh, considered unclean. It wouldn't, wouldn't be kept there anymore. Uh, it was taken at a distance outside of the camp. Uh, it was it was a place in a designated site. Uh, it was there was much that had to be done. And the Jews wanted to bring about all those things and bring it into much of that into the new system of the new covenant. But it's not necessary. Hebrews look look with me if you would to Hebrews chapter ten. We see it talking about this very thing in, in verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make them comers, make the comers thereunto perfect. He's saying all those things that were a foreshadow, all those things that happened in the Old Testament, could never actually make the people perfect, could never wash away their sins could never do what needed to be done to sanctify the people, but it was done out of, out of faith, trusting and following the law of God. Now, verse 2 says, For then would they have not ceased to be offered, uh, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. He's saying if those sacrifices could have cleansed sin, it would have only needed to be done once. But instead, it had to be done year after year after year after year. Verse 3 says, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, uh, then when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, and this is Jesus speaking, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God, above Whence he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Jesus, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the first covenant, that he may establish the second. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all that Old Testament law and all that Old Testament prophet prophecy, all the things that there was a shadow of, he was the fulfillment of. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was the sacrifice that washed away our sins. Praise God. The, uh, the, the, those, that previous system is no longer necessary. That previous system, the, the, the daily, the yearly sacrifice, it's done. It's over with because it never had any power. But the Bible does say without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We understand that the shedding of the blood of Christ was the final fulfillment of that. Verse 14 of chapter 10 says this, for by one offering, he, Jesus, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. 
forever. We have been cleansed forever. We have been washed forever. Our sins are forgiven. You don't have to, 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 I'm thankful that I don't have to keep getting forgiven for the same sin. Now, there have been times when, I, when I've been reminded of my past, and I say again, God, I'm sorry. I can't believe I did that. But that's me. God doesn't hold. God's not waving in front of my face and reminding me of that every day. He doesn't. You know who does that? The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. That's, that's not Jesus. That's Satan. Uh, Satan will remind you. Satan will, will say, look where you came from and look what you used to be. Listen, that's not who I am anymore. All things, uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I am not who I once was, but that's because of Jesus. And I thank the Lord for that. That previous system is no longer, no longer relevant today in this new covenant that was mentioned here. Jesus took away the old to bring about the second, the new covenant. Verse 16 says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Chapter 10, verse 16. Saith Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of, remission of, of these is, there is no more offering of sin. Jump down to verse, verse uh, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Remember the Old Testament. They, the, only, the only ones that could enter into that holiest place, that the presence of God, the, the holy of holies, the mercy seat, was the high priest. Nobody else. And the only time he was allowed to, to, to enter into that place was on that Day of Atonement. And the only time he was allowed to do that was after he washed himself ceremonially and, and put off his, his priestly garments and put on special garments that, uh, that he could then go in and, and minister unto and sacrifice for the people. But no more. You don't need somebody else to go before you in the presence of God. You can now come into the very presence of God all by yourself. Not because of who you are, but because of Christ. Because you have been washed in the blood. Because you have been cleansed. That is the new covenant that's been, that's been given to us. Now, that previous system is no longer, but I want you to notice something. The previous system is a picture of our precious Savior. It's a picture of a precious Savior. It says, for the bodies, verse 11 of Hebrews 13, for the, the bodies of those beasts whose blood is bought, brought unto the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Here is taking what they understood in the Old Testament, and now it's, he's show, they're, they're Paul is showing them that Christ is that, that sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect substitute. The perfect substitute. Uh, the Bible says that, 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 that there had to be a lamb without blemish, without spot. Jesus Christ was perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. They, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, John the Baptist was the one who stood there and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. As he saw Jesus walking, walking down the road or along the river that day, uh, he points to him and says, that is that perfect Lamb of God. 
The only way he could be perfect is if he was sinless. And, and praise the Lord, he was. The Bible says that he, knew, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God uh, in him. But he was that perfect substitute. There was no other substitute that would have ever been able to be the sacrifice that was necessary. He was a perfect substitute, uh, uh, his pure substance. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 says this, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We were not saved by corruptible things. It was not our corruptible works, our corruptible efforts, uh, our, de- our, our decrepit uh, thoughts. and I, It was not us. It was Jesus Christ. His precious blood that he shed on that cross for you and for, for me. He was the perfect substitute. We see his pure substance, his painful suffering. Think about the, 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 the killing of those, of those animals. Painful. But the Bible says that he was like a sheep that had been led to the slaughter. Isaiah chapter 53, 5-11 uh, says, this, says this, but he, speaking of Jesus, was wounded, prophetically speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and his, by his stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from the prison and from judgment, who, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He, God, shall see the see of the travail of his, Jesus' soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge that my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Man, he suffered on that cross. He was bruised. He was wounded. He received on his physical body. Uh, the, 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 it was a painful death that he, that he took part in. But even greater than that, more important was that there was the suffering of his soul. The Bible mentions there in verse 11 that God saw the agony of his soul and his wrath was satisfied. Because that wrath was for you and me, for our sin. But Christ took our place. It's interesting that just like the just like in the Old Testament. Those bodies would be taken outside of, the sacrifice would be taken outside of the city to be burned. If you look back in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 9, 9 through 10, uh, we see uh, there were two sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. There was the sacrifice whose blood was shed and, 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 and put up on the mercy seat. And there was a second sacrifice uh, that, would, uh, that was not killed but was led outside the gate. Uh, that we read about it, it's, we call them the, the uh, what's the name of it? Three of the verses, and I'll, I'll think. Scapegoat, that's what it is. Uh, the, the scapegoat. Uh, it, it's actually a word that we get from the scriptures. It says in verse 9 and 10 of, of Leviticus 16 And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the, lo- the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. 
But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. What would happen is on the Day of Atonement, there would be two goats that would be brought, and, and they would cast lots to see which one would be, would, which one would be uh, killed and his blood used on the, at the altar, and the other would be made a scapegoat. The one that the, the Lord's lot fell that was to be uh, the atonement of, uh, and would be killed, uh, they would kill that, take its blood, and put it on the altar. Uh, but the other one, uh, it would be brought before the people, and the high priest would, uh, would ceremonially take his hands and place it upon the head of that goat. And what that would do was a picture of the sins of the people being taken from the people and placed on the, on the goat, and, and, and it was the, the word imputation is used, that their sin was imputed or placed upon that goat. And that goat would then be led outside of the city because it was unclean. It couldn't be kept, it couldn't be eaten, it couldn't, they, they got rid of it. They led it to the wilderness, and they let it go. Can I tell you the same thing that happened to Jesus Christ? He was cast out. Yes, he died for our sins, but his, our sins were placed upon him. It was imputed upon him, not ceremoniously. He received the judgment that we were supposed to receive. And he was taken outside of the gate. And listen, he didn't die in Jerusalem. He, if you've ever been to, to when I went to Israel, uh, they, they took us to the place, uh, the place of Golgotha, the place of the skull. Uh, it, it's still there. It's right in the middle of the uh, 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 city. But at the time, it was outside of the city gates. Uh, it was a place where, where, where they would kill the, uh, the, the, the criminals. They would take them up there. Uh, and, and listen, that's where he died. And that's where he was buried not far from there, outside of, as a picture of, as a reminder of. What happened during, in that sacrifice? There was a particular spot. Christ did the same thing for us. Well, I mentioned that Jesus is our example. Not only do we see the previous system and our precious Savior in this passage, but we're going to see how we're to worship, how we're to praise, how we're to thank God. Verse 12 said, and we already read it, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Verse 13 says, Let us go forth, therefore. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing the reproach. If we're going to worship God, if we're going to worship Christ, it's got to cost us something. Every time those sacrifices were brought before the Lord, it wasn't like they just appeared out of nowhere. They were either had to be purchased. Now, I'm not, not listen, let me make this clear. I'm not telling you to give me money so that you can be right with God. That is not what I'm saying. But that cost them something. They, they would go and they would, they would purchase their lamb without blemish or it would come from their own flock, that which they had. David said the same thing back in the Old Testament when, when the, uh, the judgment of God was coming upon the people of, uh, of Israel and 100,000 people had already died. And, and, uh, and he went out to, to, to purchase uh, a, a, a piece of property to, to, to uh, make a sacrifice. On, and they said, no, no, I'll just give it to you. You're the king. And he said, no, I can't offer something that hasn't cost me anything. And he, he paid for the property. He paid for the paid for the, uh, the, the the oxen that was to be used because because it had to cost something. Listen, worship costs us something. 
Notice verse 13, he says, let us therefore go without the camp. Within the camp was the sin. He says, let us go therefore out without. There needs to be an abandonment of, of the corruption and the sin in our lives. We need to repent of the sin in our lives. It's going to cost us something. So I can't think of any sin in my life. That's okay, we can't. You and I look at ourselves, and, and with, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, and we think, hey, I'm not so bad. I'm not as bad as Rich is. <laughs> now Rich has a bruise in his elbow. Or, or, no, a bruise from an elbow. Uh, it's, he, he's, he's a spotted now. He can't be sacrificed. No, we can't compare ourselves with one another. What did David say? Search me, O God, I know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. If you want to know if there's something in your life that needs to be confessed, it's not necessarily self-examination we need. It's scriptural examination that we need. We're to compare ourselves according to the Word of God. And listen, let's just be honest. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. That's okay. But it's not okay. Ever got up and looked in the mirror in the morning? You all have, or you wouldn't be here today. Right? And seeing that you've got something stuck in your teeth from dinner the night before? Your eyes are bleary, your hair is sticking up. Well, Rich's hair is never sticking up. Uh, my beard in the morning does not look this amazing. It looks like this. Especially after uh, Zeke, Zeke decides to play uh, car wash. He runs his, runs his hand through my hair. He says, car wash. We, we look at the mess that we are, and we do something about it, right? Well, some of us don't. No, we do something about it. But that's what James just declares, that the, this book is the mirror for us to look into. And we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only because a hearer of the word will look into the perfect law of liberty and they'll see the mess that they are and they walk away not having done anything about it. But a doer of the word is one who then looks into the word of God, that, mer that perfect mirror which shows us not how we think we are, but how we really are. And then we change and do those things the, God, the Word of God shows us that we're failing in. There, got, there has to be an abandonment of the corruption, the turning from the, the sin that we have. But not only that, there needs to be an approach of Christ. That verse there, verse 13, let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp. We're to go unto the Lord. Uh, if we're going to worship, listen, you don't come to church to worship. Now, I, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We can come to this building and we can sing all the songs that we, don't, that we want. But if we don't come with a desire to meet with God, guess what? We've just come and had a sing-along. We haven't met with God and worshipped in any way, shape, or fashion. Our purpose for coming to this building isn't fellowship while I enjoy the fellowship. Uh, it isn't food while I enjoy eating lunch afterwards, uh, especially on days when there's lots of food here. Uh, I, I enjoy that. Again, uh, caramel apple cheesecake, whatever it is, is my favorite. Anything with apples and bacon and caramel and cheesecake, perfect. That's not why we come. 
You certainly don't come to listen to me. We come because we want to meet the Lord. I want our church, that, my desire for our church is that that's what we're known for. Not that, the, that we got the best music. Not that we got the best preaching. Not that we got the, 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 most, the, the most diversified classes. And I want us to be known for the fact that we meet with God when we get together. Because if we don't approach God, we haven't worshipped. Let us, therefore, there need, and listen, you don't need to, by the way, speaking of this, you don't have to be here to worship God. Now, that being said, we're to be a church. The Bible says that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is a, 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 an assembly of God's people. We are to assemble ourselves together to, to encourage one another, to, to build up one another, to strengthen one another, to bear one another's burdens for all kinds of different reasons. But you can also approach God at home, on your own, all by yourself. You can be at home, you can be out in the woods, you can be in your car. You can meet with the Lord anywhere, but you've got to abandon the corruption and approach the Savior. You can do that in prayer, through Scripture reading, through meditation of the Word of God. There's also an accepted contempt. We don't see this so much here in the States, but think about the people back there, the Jews, in this day and age. When they became Christians, when they followed Christ, they lost everything. To be a follower of Jesus, that they were no longer accepted in the temple. They were no longer accepted by those that they'd grown up with in church, their friends, their families. Their, parent, their, their, their parents, if they knew, and under, and knew what they were doing, they would be dead to their families. Now, that's, that, that is all true in other countries in, in our world uh, today with other, with other religions. In, in the United States, the majority religion is Christianity. And even though some people don't necessarily agree with Christianity, they still don't treat you like they do in other parts of the country. In places in India, uh, uh, if, you're, if you're a Christian, uh, you're relegated to the lowest dregs of society, and the only kinds of jobs you can get are cleaning the sewers. And when I say cleaning the sewers, I mean literally climbing down with a shovel into, the, in, into the, the, the waste of people and digging it out with a shovel into a bucket. Those are the kinds of jobs that you can get as a Christian in India because of the caste system that they have there. In other, in other places of the world, you can be, you can be uh, uh, killed, and, and, and justly so, and nobody would care. I've seen videos of, uh, of, of, of Africa, or in Africa, of, of a church that was pushed into a ravine, covered with branches, and set on fire. Those things happen even in today's world. Here we're blessed in the fact that we live in a country that has, has religious freedom, that we can worship God, we can come, and we don't have to worry about losing our jobs. We don't have to worry about our families disowning us. They may not like us talking about religious things at the dinner table, but, but they're not going to not invite us to Thanksgiving. But there are some places where they deal with it. But notice what it said there in verse 13. Let us go, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. It was approached to bear the name of Christ in those days. Unfortunately today, in, in our country, and in many of the churches, people won't bear the reproach of Christ, whatever limited reproach. We can't get ourselves out of bed to go to church, let alone 
bear the reproach that might come upon us. We're, we won't we won't even mention the name of Christ in our workplace because people might look at us differently or not want to sit next to us at lunch or our kids might be embarrassed to tell people to go to church because that's not that's the slightest amount of reproach. But remember what Christ did for us. He bore our reproach. He bore our sin. There's practical separation, abandoning the corruption, approaching Christ, accepting the contempt. And then notice what it says in verse 14. For here we have no confronting, continuing city, but we seek one to come. He's talking about Christ being outside of the city and, and talking about the, the Jews that, that uh, didn't have a place to dwell that they could call home because as Christians they were no longer accepted as, uh, in, in, in their hometowns. But as Christians here, we need to remember and understand this, that we're pilgrims, that this world really isn't our home. That, that yes, we live here, yes, we work here, yes, we, we will be here till we die. But this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. It's a city whose, whose builder and maker is God. It's one which you and I have not seen yet, but we will one day see. Our continuing city is in heaven. Now, verse 15, we see the pleasing sacrifice. Verse 15 and 16, it says this, By him, therefore, by Christ, by Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Part of worship, a large part of worship, is the idea of praise and thanksgiving, this fruit of our lips. Our praise needs to be by him. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Uh, if we're going to praise God, if we're going to come into his presence, we need to come in through Christ. It is only because of what Jesus Christ did for for. Uh, for us on that cross, that atonement that was made, that we can, that we are reconciled unto Him, that we are, uh, that we, that that we can now have fellowship with Him, that we can now come into His presence. It's a, it's a, a genuine person. It's, a, it is only through Jesus Christ. There's a generated praise. We see there in verse 15. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God, remembering what Christ did for us. Remember what, remembering what he continues to do for us should generate a praise in our hearts. There's nothing more sad than when, we, when, when you, there's just nothing in you that wants to testify. I don't know how many times I've sat in, in services growing up uh, and, and in this church and other churches, uh, and, and it's not, uh, this is not a, a, a Fellowship Baptist Church-specific problem. It is a Christian-specific problem. But when, 
and this isn't always a problem. Praise the Lord, the last time we had a, the last time we had a, the, uh, the end of last month, the, the inspiration, man, there were so many testimonies. So many. Praise God for that problem. I would rather have that problem than sit here and have to try to drag them out of you. But we've had that here before too. But what God has done in us should generate in us a real desire to praise God. Now, there have been times when I've heard people give testimonies, and the testimony was all me-centered. Well, I did this, and I did that, and I went over here, and I did this. And Now, I understand you were able to do all those things because of what God has done in your life. But we need to be very careful that we understand that what, when we're praising God, we're praising God for what he's done, not for what we've done in his name. Is our praise is not for our work, but for God's work. But true salvation will generate real praise. He said, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Because of what he's done in us, because of what he's done for us, because of what he does through us, offer the sacrifice of praise to God. And notice the word that comes after that. When you feel like it. Is that what it says? Or just put it in a glass touch. I don't think that's what it says. No. One word. Continually. Continually. Ephesians tells, says it this way. Uh, in everything. There is not a time in our life when, uh, when we're not to be praising God. There is not a situation that we, can, that we will endure that we should not be praising God. And you well, you don't know the situation that I'm in. You're right, I don't. But I know the one who saved us <laughs> and what situation we should be in. The truth is, if we were all receiving what we deserve, none of us would be here and we would all be in a hell. Suffering, not a hell, we'd be in hell. There's one. And it will be cast into death and hell, the lake of fire, and we'll be there forever, except for God's grace. If we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here, but we are. It doesn't matter our health. It doesn't matter what we have. Uh, none of it matters. What matters is what God has done for us. To generate praise in our, in our mouths. In fact, the Bible tells us to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. That the trying of our faith work with patience. It tells us we're to be joyful. It's easier said than done. The joy is the fruit of the Spirit. There's a generated praise. There's a grateful proclamation. Verse 15 says, Offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Now, there is, a, an, there is an aspect of worship that is internal. And there are times when, when, when man, the Spirit of God is moving, and and I didn't even know how to say what God's doing in my heart at that time. And that's good. You should have that internal aspect of, of worship. Uh, uh, where we're singing, or sometimes people raise their hands. Sometimes they just, you can't even speak, right? But the fruit of my lips means that my lips are moving. What's internal needs to become external. What's inside 
at times should come out. There needs to be a, an expression of our gratefulness. If you did something for me, let's say you, you made me, you, let's say you spent hours making me a gift, and man, you worked hard at it. You sacrificed. And then the, the one day you showed up and said, I, Pastor Rob, I have, I have worked at this. I, have, I made this for you. I love you. I, I hope you appreciate it. Inside of me, I see, I see the, the work that you put into it, the sweat, the blood, the scale, all of it. And man, I am just blessed by that. And I never say a word. How many of you would be offended? Brother George would be offended. They've got, they got a few people that are honest. You would all be offended because it's just polite society. When somebody does something nice for you, say thank you. What's polite? What has God done for us? So much more than any of us could ever do for anybody else. And while it's good for us to, to have that gratefulness in our hearts, it is a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. It, it's a part of our worship as we open our mouths and praise God for what he's done. It does a couple things. It glorifies God. Are we not to exalt and lift up the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? We are absolutely to. It's also good for the ears of our young people over here to hear what God has done in your lives, to hear how God has worked and what God has saved you from, how God has blessed and how God has provided, because they need to hear it. Not just them. It's good for me to hear what God is doing in your life. It's good for you to hear what God is doing in my life. But if we never say it, if we never testify of the goodness and grace, grace, of, grace of God, while we may feel it in our hearts, and again, there's an aspect of worship that is internal. There's also an aspect that is external. The fruit of our lips. And the Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. It's a grateful proclamation. Last verse, and we'll take a few minutes for testimony. It says, verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. With such sacrifice, God is well pleased. There are three things here. Given possessions, good performance, and a guaranteed pleasure. The word, the, the word there, verse 16, says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. To do good, it's talking about the good works that we do. And it's good, it's important for us to praise God with our lips. But he's saying, don't forget to, to, to continue. Don't praise God with your lips and then deny him with your life. What's, what does uh, Matthew chapter 5 say? that they should see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. I can say all I want with my mouth and say how good God is and how God has blessed me, but if in my life I am denying all of that with selfish, selfish actions and, and living my life how I want to live, how much do you really think God appreciates that praise? In fact, uh, he talked about the people of Israel in the Old Testament about that. I believe it was, in, he said that they honored me with their lips, but they, with their hearts they were far from me. So he says, do good and communicate. You know what that means? Communicate, sharing, giving. I see Brother, I see brother George has a need, and I know, I, I know God's laid on my heart that I should be the one to take care of that. But I got other plans for that money, so I'm just going to go do. Or do good and communicate. It's not enough. 
for us just to say we're Christians and act like Christians at church. It's important for us to be like Christ and to live like Christ. Every choice that we make, every word that we speak, everything we do is to be done for the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that means walking and following in his footsteps and loving and caring. Listen, 1 John says this, that if we see that a brother has a need and we have the ability to meet that need and we shut up our bowels of compassion, we, we, we feel it, we know we should do it, but we're like, nah, I'm not going to do that today. I, I really, I, I, I just can't. But how does the love of God dwell in us? It's a test, a, a sign whether or not that the God dwells in us. As a child of God, we can't not do something. Remember what the Bible said of Jesus many times. It said that he was moved with compassion. What am I talking about? There's a given possession. It's to do good and communicate. Good performance. Forget not. It's, it's, it's not just that we, that, that we feel it, but we, we do it. It's not just that we thank the Lord, but we also live it in our lives. But notice that last phrase, verse 16. God wants our sacrifice of praise. God wants a grateful proclamation. God wants us to do those good things. But notice the response that God has, that we have of God. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. It pleases God. You want to please God? Praise Him with your lips. You want to please God? Love on one another. You want to please God? Bless those that need it. As God blesses you, bless others. The world is full of hypocrites. Churches are full of hypocrites. And the world is tired of seeing hypocrites. I don't know how many times I've, I've talked to people like, well, I used to go to church, but I don't because, you know, this person who, they, they did this, or this person did this and acted in this way. I wonder what the world would do if they saw people who love God, who praise God, who talk about God and the gospel, and they saw people that lived it in their lives as well. How would that affect the people around us? Because it's important for us to share the gospel. I am not denying that at all. In fact, I will preach that until the day I die. We are to go and tell the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the gospel. But they also need to see us love one another. They need to see us love them. Because I can preach the gospel and, and chase somebody away from the church as fast as I can because I'm doing it in the wrong way. If they don't see love, they need to see love and compassion and mercy and grace through me. Listen, that's all, those are all fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. They need to see God's love, God's Spirit working through me to point them to Christ. That's really what our lives are about. And the truth is, Ephesians, I believe it's in Ephesians 1, says that we are to be the praise of his glory. The things that we do, the communicating that we do, the, the good works that we do, all of those are not to bring our honor and glory to us. We don't do it so that people say, hey, look at that guy. He's a really good guy. No. We do it to point people to Christ. So 
May our testimonies be God-centered. May our, may our praise be about him. May we come seeking with a desire to, to honor and glorify him, and may we do so while also living it. Because we have a lot to be thankful for. Everything that we are is because of Christ. If we want to worship the Lord, if we want to offer these sacrifices of praise, and, and listen, there's never a day that we shouldn't be doing it, but especially this week. May we do so? Bring him glory. And to thank him. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. It's pleasing to God. We don't have to do those bloody sacrifices, the, the, the sacrifice for sin anymore. That sacrifice is done and finished. And now that sacrifice sits at the right hand of the Father. You and I are to sacrifice to him our praise, our thanks, our life. Romans 12.1 beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. All right. We're going to take a few minutes for a time of testimony, a time of praising the Lord for what he's doing, what he's done, maybe just praising for your salvation. Was there somebody here that 